0: But I want to start out with this series, this series statement, and uh, I want to start out with this. Go ahead and take some notes. Uh, God-honoring vision, strong faith, and a commitment to action leads to a greater future. God-honoring vision, strong faith, and a commitment to action leads to a greater future. So last week, we covered some ground, not exhaustive, uh, not exhaustive, but we covered some ground last week on what a God-honoring vision looks like. This week, I want to hit on this idea of faith. Someone say faith. 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 And then next week, we're going to do commitment to action, and then week four, we're going to finish it off with an act of faith. Um, The synopsis of the vision series is a greater future for my life, my church, and my city. But in order to get to a greater future, God-honoring vision, strong faith, commitment to action. I believe a God-honoring vision and and, and a greater future is is composed of of these these ideas. It won't come up on the screen, but these thoughts. Number one is joy. A greater future is a future of joy, a future of peace, wisdom, strength, strength and impact i believe a greater future is is filled with joy peace wisdom strength and impact and joy is not the same thing as happiness um we're happy when it's happening it's even found within the word like i'm happy when when it's great you know vacations days off Uh, that's a conditional happiness um and when you are locked into a condition of happiness, the enemy can control your joy. Versus joy is internal, and it's given by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of God. Um, Paul actually wrote his most joyous letter while locked in a prison. And he, he, he said joy many times in the book of Philippians, in that letter to the church in Philippi. One of the more famous verses, he said joyce, and I say again, rejoice though he was writing that letter to the church in shackles. So, but you, you want to have joy no matter what's going on around you. You want to have peace. I believe that your future is filled with impact. Um, there, there's nothing worse, I would, I would assume, than getting to your deathbed and knowing that you were a stingy person no. and wanting to redo life and saying, man, I would have given more. I would have given more encouragement, I would have given more prayers, I would have given more finances, I would have given more. So I think that if we're currently here and we're looking towards a greater future, one of the great opportunities, as you sit under the sound of my voice, is to lean into this idea of of impact. Someone say impact. Impact. It's a part of a greater future. Um, And so I'm excited for what God has in store for your life and my life, but here's the deal. faith is the key that unlocks a greater future faith is the key that unlocks a greater future and and you know whenever you you read the bible if if you really give some time and you get into the word of god you get into the scriptures from genesis to revelation one thing you find out is that god does all things in due season God does things in season. Someone say season. Season. So so here's the idea. You're praying and believing for something right now, um, but God has proposed for it to come into your life in 2027. And no matter how much tongues you speak or how much you prophesy or how much you cry out during worship no matter how much Bible you read or how much fasting you do, whenever God proposes to do something in a certain time, it's locked in heaven until he releases it into your life. And that's where a lot of people give up. They start out on fire. We start out hot. We start out in this infatuation honeymoon stage with Jesus, not knowing that he does things in seasons and we give up when all of what God has promised us does not come to pass in one year. And so if faith, if faith is the key, right, to unlocking a greater future, then my faith must be ever-growing. All right, I'm going to talk to someone who's really catching this. My faith must be, I'm sorry, I'm boring today. My faith must be ever-growing. Am I boring you? Okay. My faith must be ever-growing. Someone say ever-growing. Ever-growing, ever growing, right? So the faith I had in my 20s, I cannot have in my 30s, right? There's no way that Joshua, who gave his life to Jesus in the English building of Florida a University when I was 19, second year in college, I can't bring 19-year-old faith into 36-year-old faith. My life looks different. Yes. Then I was single. Then I was free. Then I could read my Bible and do whatever I wanted. Now now I have a wife, and I have kids, and I have a growing church. I have to have a fresh faith. Yes. Right, It has to be growing. I can't bring pandemic faith into normal day's faith. You do know we're not in the pandemic anymore. You do know that you're alive. You do know that you're okay. You do know, you do know this, that if that person sneezes next to you, you're okay. You got to get out of pandemic faith. You got to burn it because there's no way that 2019 faith can accompany you in 2024. You just got to grow. Someone say grow. Grow. We got to grow up, right? My my, my faith in my 40s, like God is going to release things in my 40s, and he's purposed to release things in your 50s, and there are things he's going to release in your 60s, and there are things he's going to release in your 70s, and there are things he's going to release in your 80s, but the question is, is am I growing? through the years so that God can release those things that only he can release that the favor of God and the hand of God and the power of God can only release in my life I must grow someone say grow 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 in my faith God honoring vision strong faith commitment to action greater future that is a formula right vision faith action greater future well I just gave y'all the key to life think I'm gonna go home so so what is faith pastor well let me give you a simple definition okay someone say simple I, i like to leave the cookies on the bottom shelf for new people who've never heard of the bible who've never been to church i like i like for everyone to understand faith is this faith is the capacity to believe god for the impossible that's what faith is it's the spiritual capacity and for some people in your current season The impossible is a healing, a physical healing or relational healing. It is a financial breakthrough. It is a key relationship or opportunity that you're seeking God for. You've tried everything you can try. So therefore, in the natural, it's become impossible. And the key to unlock that thing is faith, your capacity for the impossible. And so today I want to I want to just give you practically three ways to grow. Someone say grow, grow your faith, because the Bible says this, that all of us have been given a measure of faith, a measure of faith. And the Lord first gives you that measure of faith, Anthony, to place your faith in Christ. That is the greatest decision that you can make in your life to genuinely not play church, not get some sound bites off of Instagram, but to genuinely say, Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for the blood you shed. Thank you for the forgiveness of my sins. Thank you that when I pass away, not die, when I pass away, I pass on from this life and into eternity. He gives you a measure of faith for salvation. Hence, once you come to Christ, God can increase your measure of faith for the life that he's promised you in this world before you pass on to heaven. So anything that you have, you can increase a measure of sugar, you can increase a measure of water, you can increase a measure of oil, you can increase a measure of flour. It's the same thing with your faith. So we must be growing, someone say growing. Growing. We must be growing in our faith. And so I wanna give you three ways to grow your faith. Number one, I wanna encourage you to walk with Jesus walk someone say walk Walk. now whenever you see the word walk in the bible it means to live live with jesus and and just in over a decade of pastoring and almost eight years of uh prior to that walking with the lord 18 years of walking with the lord this is something that i've witnessed many believers that have made a confession of faith i give you my life lord Many believers that have made a confession of faith, I would argue and say most believers, have, it, have not experienced the progression of faith. There's a difference in your confession. You come on Easter, I give you my heart. You come on Christmas, Lord, I give you my life. Right. You come last Sunday, thank you, Lord. You walk out of here with a blue box, tears. It's a beautiful thing. Jesus actually says whenever one sinner repents, And comes to the Lord, there's a party in heaven. It's a beautiful thing. But I get the idea that heaven likes to keep partying. I think the angels always want to throw a party on your account when they see that you're growing in your faith, when you're progressing in your faith, when you're moving forward in your faith. I think, I just, I know it, like some confession, not many. Progression. It says this here in Colossians. Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. He says, "And now, just as you—this is so good. Watch this. Accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord. You must. Someone finished that. Continue to follow Him. Let your roots come on now. Grow down into Him, and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will." Grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. What is the Bible saying? The Bible is saying that there's a great delineation between bitter Christians and those who, when you come to the time of your passing, you're going to be so grateful. You're going to be so grateful. But why? What's the onus of my gratitude versus a Christian that's dying in their bitter? Well, the difference between the one that dies bitter and worried and anxious and the one who dies with a full heart and a full life, is this: is that they continued, they built their lives on Jesus, they grew in their faith. And guess what? God can't zap you. See, grow. Not that He can't. He won't. Because He's like, bro, I. I already died for all your sins. (laughs) I was beaten. Lord, my skin was hanging off and my ribs were exposed and and my privates were exposed and they put a crown of thorns on my head. I already did everything you need me to do. Now I just need you to grow. I I just, I need you to walk with me. Right? Because how many people know that there's a difference between a Christian and a Christ follower? There are a lot of Christians in this room and online. But there are few Christ followers in this room wow. and online. It's like, Pastor, you preparing for an offering? How do you go get an offering? Because <laughs> I don't want your money. <laughs> I want you to grow in the Lord. Come on now, put your hands together for this. Yes, the Lord encourages us to walk with him. How do I do that, Pastor? Well, a couple, a couple ways. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in prayer. Jesus said, uh, close, get, get behind and get in your closet, your prayer closet, he said. He said, get away from your friends and your family. Turn, turn off the technology, even if you don't know what to pray. Just put a five, ten-minute timer. Call out the name of Jesus. Uh, take a list. Take a list into your prayer closet, into your room, and start talking to him about your life, about your parents, about school, about your work, about your worry. Just, just talk to them. For God's sakes, don't change your voice. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name, of Jesus, in the Lord. He's like, God, who is this? Who are you? You don't talk like that with your friends. Talk, talk to me normally. You know what I mean? That, that's prayer. Someone say that's prayer. Okay. So you spend time in prayer every day. Another way is to spend time in the Bible every day. Someone say every day. Every day. F- find some time. Fight for it. Fight for it. Fight for that time. In the word of God, spend time in worship. Someone say worship, worship, worship. fill your home with worship, fill your car with worship. Uh, yesterday I was, uh, pr- pr- you know, preparing for my message and my, my wife and my mother-in-law, they, they went, they, you know, they went out on the town and, and my wife called me uh, and she said, Hey, how's your message prep coming? I said, I don't know. I, I don't know. I've been walking around the house for an hour and a half worshiping God. Just, just nonstop playing music. Just walking around, walking around. Those tears start flowing. You get on your knees. You sit down. You lay down in the kitchen. You, you just worship. You just fill the atmosphere with worship. I came out of worship. This entire message hit me in forty-five minutes. Because in worship, you, you sharpen the axe, right? You never want to tr- chop chop a tree down with a dull axe, right? with that worry. How how are you going to overcome that with anxiety and worry and doubt and depression? No. uh, See, a lot of Christians are worried because we are not worshiping. We're not bringing it to him. We're not elevating his name. We're not lifting him up in our hearts above our challenges. So therefore we stay drowned and flooded out when all you got to do sometimes is just worship and spend, spend some time in worship. Someone say worship. worship. Here's another way that you walk with Jesus. Okay. You, you, here it is. you, Make your decisions through the filter of this question. Will this decision honor the Lord? That's That's how you walk with him. Because you're in a relationship with your Savior. If I make this call, if I spend time with this person, if I make this decision, will it honor Jesus? There's no way I'm going to go out for a day on the town or a night with my wife and we're, we're together. And I release her hand and I begin to pursue another woman. What, what would that be? That would be dishonor. Would that be feeding our marriage? Would that be growing our marriage or undermining the growth of our marriage? Right. So I'm going to when I'm walking with Jesus and I'm growing my faith, I'm living with integrity. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to cheat because I'm living with integrity. And here's the deal. Obedience is the strength of your faith. When you're not obedient, your faith is weak. Right? And the reason it's weak is because you feel like you're under some kind of judgment when in essence, it's just the result of disobedience. But whenever I face a challenge in life and I obey the Lord and he brings me out on the other side, I see that obedience was the bridge to the growth of my faith. So I want to I honor the Lord with my body, with my mind, with my tongue, with my time. I want to honor. Someone say honor the Lord. And I want to start doing that while I'm young. Hear me out, young people. You want a great life? Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. Be secure in who you are in Christ. You don't need a thing but Jesus. They don't need to approve you. They don't need to follow you. They don't need to like your posts. You've already been loved and approved and called by the Lord. (laughs) Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord, growing your faith. All right, number two, stay planted. Someone say "Stay stay planted. This is the second way to grow your faith. Psalm 92 says this. Catch this. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, here's the promise, shall flourish in the courts of our God. All right, let me slow down. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts. What are the courts? Here it is. The courts are everyday life. The outer court was where everyone met at, but only the priests could come in with the temple and tabernacle. Only the priests could come into the holiest place. Right. So he's saying, as long as I dwell here, it is in a healthy church, and I get involved. Right? I'm, I'm walking with the Lord Monday through Friday. Right? I'm walking with the Lord every day of my life, but I'm also planted in a healthy community. Yes. And whenever, not just attending on a Sunday, but I'm, I'm involved, I'm, I'm giving, I'm serving, I'm in a group. Those who are planted in what Jesus says, I build my church. Those who are planted in what Jesus is building will flourish in life. Let's keep moving. They shall still bear fruit. Here it is. Here's that greater future in old age, and they shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright, right? So I got to stay planted in a healthy church. It is an oxymoron to be a follower of Christ, but not have a church home. Matter of fact, God don't even, God don't even understand that. I love Jesus, but I, you know, I don't have a church. Hmm. And I will build my church, the Lord says in Matthew. Right. And the gates of hell will not prevail. That's right. That's right. So, so, if I am not connected in a healthy church, what what happens? I open my life to the attacks of Satan. Yes. That's what Jesus said in Matthew. I will build. Someone say, "Build." build. What does "build" mean? "Build" means to to grow. In the church, what, the meaning of the church is those who are called out of the world and who gather in the name of Jesus. That is the church. The church is not a building. Buildings are important, but the church is the body of believers. And one thing Satan loves is an isolated believer. Because there's no one speaking life into you. There's no one protecting you. There's no one checking on you. There's no one. And you're just kind of out there wondering. And, and, And a lot of believers are not in churches today because they've been hurt in the church. And to a certain extent, I get that and I want to say I'm sorry because I'm a pastor and I represent almost all pastors, right? You know how when you're operating in something, you represent everybody because you are in that group. I want to say sorry for your church hurt. I'm so sorry that you were hurt. I'm sorry if you were hurt here. I I apologize and I'm sorry and I pray healing over your life. I pray the grace of God and the mercy of God over your life. But riddle me this. Don't we get hurt everywhere? right? You ever got work hurt? Y'all ain't want to talk to me. You ever got family hurt? You ever got Thanksgiving hurt? But guess where you go be tomorrow, work, family, and next year, Thanksgiving. The church is the only place where people get hurt and they never want to return and the devil loves that. The deal is is that you have to find a healthy one on. yeah. right right Fam- Good family members who love each other hurt themselves hurt each other all the time it doesn't mean we leave it wow. right Right Judas betrayed Jesus he didn't Jesus didn't leave Judas Peter 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 denied Jesus Peter't didn't, Jesus didn't leave Peter right. because there's a commitment and when God is building something holy wow. and supernatural yeah. you you stay, you stay locked in. You stay locked in. You stay locked in. I want to give you five signs of a healthy church, okay? So you can keep growing in your faith. Even if it's not here, highlight five ingredients of a healthy church. Number one is passionate worship. Passionate worship. There's passion, hands are lifted, crying out, people are experiencing the presence of God. Number two is biblical teaching. You're understanding the Bible. You used to think it was old and outdated and dusty. Now you're interested in it, right? You ever attended a church and, and you learned more in 30 minutes than you knew the, you know, your entire life about scripture. That's, that's a good church. That's a, that's a biblical teaching, healthy church showing you how to live out your faith. It's important. Number three, life change. Life change, lives are being changed. Miracles, families are being healed. Like stories like Emily, you know, her, her testimony is powerful. You know, it, that's that's a hard story. That's a hard testimony. She's afraid. She's afraid of people, but she found a healthy church, and now she's she's finding life and, and purpose. She said purpose and vision. There's life change. You're seeing people crying in the lobby and connecting and hugging and high-fiving and blue boxes and salvations and <laughs> baptism. That... that that's the sign of a healthy church. Someone say healthy church. healthy church. Not a perfect, not perfect church, but a healthy church. Number four is growth. Yeah. Growth. Growth. Whenever you've been attending a church for a while and you start to see it grow. Yes. Yes. Right? Riddle me this. Did Jesus' ministry stay small? Nope. It went from 12 to 72 to 120 to to 3,000, to 5,000, to 20,000. A lot of Christians are going to be mad when they get to heaven. There's going to be billions of people, and it's going to be loud. Right, But a sign of a healthy church is growth, not, not when you come in and, and, and dust and, and dirt and, and chairs all out of order and people don't care, and they just kind of gather, and you know there's one person here and, and, and one person over there, and the pastor's beating the drums and preaching the message and worshiping by himself. No, 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 that, that's not church. Not when a prophet comes in and lay, lays hands on you and you uh, uh, he's shaking and all that. No, no, that's scary church. Someone say scary church. Scary church. Scary church. No, a church that's growing, where, where people are learning to forgive, where people are learning to serve each other, where people are learning how to be excellent, where people are falling in love with the Bible, where, where, where people started out with that white knuckle worship, uh, this is weird, three months later, their hands are up, they're praising the Lord. Come on, they're praising, that, that's growth, they're praising the Lord. That's a healthy, someone say healthy church, not Not perfect, but healthy. And then vision, a church with vision, right? You go to a church and they're talking about the future and the possibilities. Can I encourage you? I I have faith for your family. I'm so glad God sent you here. I got faith for you. I I believe in the miracles of God for your life and. The vision, albeit you may not fully know it, but the vision that God has for your life. I'm so glad you're here. We can dream together. Mm -hmm. You're in a visionary house. This started from nothing. This started with a handful of people, with a a vision and and faith and a determination to serve people and, and see lives better and changed And people set free. I got vision for you. You may not have vision for you. Your pastor has vision for you. And as long as you stay connected in this soil, the vision that's in this soil will get in your soul. And and see, that's what happened with someone like Emily, right? You know, tragedy, darkness. The devil said, not this one. He called her into the house of God. And she said, now I have vision, and and I'm happy almost every day I have joy. She said, joy knocks out the darkness. That's what happens when you get in a spirit-filled, visionary church, when you stay planted. Someone say "Stay stay planted. The ingredients of health get down on the inside of your soul. If you're thankful for your church, can you just put your hands together? Come on, let's give them five seconds of praise. God doesn't want your flesh. He don't want your flesh, spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. I thank God for my church. Y'all to made me grow, than I made y'all grow. Yay. Y'all pushed me into growth. Yay. Number three, exercise your faith. Exercise your faith. Come on, close me out, worship. Why, pastor? Here, follow me. Because faith is a muscle. And, and if you don't exercise it, it won't grow. It, it won't grow. You have to exercise. Someone say Exercise. Exercise your faith. What does that look like in my daily life, Pastor? Well, whenever uh, someone in authority says, okay, you're leading that project. Yeah. Your manager says, you're over that. You're going to lead that team, right? Y- you don't want to shrivel. and Ugh. Pick, pick, pick her. Pick him. Right, right. No, no. Whenever that person in authority says, you're the leader, you, That's right. you step up. That's right. Because in that point, that you're exercising your faith. You're like, man, this is scary. I've never. Whew. Okay all right, Lord, I can do this. And, and you, you step into it, right? Or, or the opportunity to forgive. That's exercising your faith. The opportunity to relocate. God calling you to another city, another job, new relationships. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm so used to this though. I'm, this is comfortable. God's like, uh-uh, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm, I'm done with that 2019 stuff. It's time for you to exercise. Someone say exercise. Exercise Exercise your capacity to believe God for the impossible. And the only way that God, one of the only ways that God can get you to grow in your faith is to take you from a comfortable season into something that you've never thought you could or would do. (laughs) I mean, I I think about when, when I asked the first six people to move from different states to Maryland to start Highlight Church. And those first six people said, nope. So I, I had to go back in prayer and, and listen for the Lord's voice. And he said, ask a new group of people. And I'm like, uh, this, is, this is pretty ridiculous, Lord. Like no promise that this is going to work. I'm not staffing these people. Wow. Like uh, th- this, he said, ask again. What was he saying? Exercise your faith. Yeah. Because it's, it's at that point where fear confronts you. Whenever fear confronts you, that's the opportunity to exercise faith, right? Right. Because because the devil knows what the Lord is telling you to do, right? So the first thing he's going to send is an onslaught of lies and worry and anxiety. It won't work. I'm facing that right now. I got about six things on standstill right now. And man, that flesh, like the other day, I, I hit a low level of anxiety. It's like, that ain't, devil's like, that ain't working. Don't even believe it. But you, you got to, the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Yes. So I'm like, I'm Josh Redden, man. What? Come on now. Come on now. Yes, yes. I am the faith guy. You know what I mean? You, you got to talk to yourself and, and remind yourself like you, you got this. Yes. You, you got this. And, and I can uh, P, Peter, Peter, on the boat. Go, go read it in your gospels. Jesus walking on water. And he's like, is that a ghost? And Jesus said, the first thing the Lord always says is don't be afraid. Yeah. It is I. And Peter's like, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come. Tell me to step out on the water. He's he like, bro, get on out here, bro. Like, you can do it. Right? So, so, so Peter, here it is, he took that step. He exercised and he, he defied all the laws of physics and gravity. Didn't he, mama? He, he defied it. And so it's because in that moment of fear, you got to re-up and say, I do believe right? I, 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 I do believe. I will believe. I shall believe. And so I, I love this time of the year. I love the chilly weather and, and the holidays. Christmas is around the corner. But before we get to Christmas, one of the main reasons I love this time of year is because our vision offering is around the corner. And when you talk about exercising faith, We are the most tested in our finances. And you can read from Genesis to Revelation. God is always calling people, believers, to exercise their faith when it comes to their money. Ask the widow in Zarephath, who the Lord sent to Elijah. There is a famine, just like this broken uh, uh, economics that we currently have going on in America. This economy sucks right now, but it doesn't excuse you or exonerate you from tithing right. and whenever God gives a mandate to your church to bring an offering. I think about the widow in Zarephath. Elijah shows up. Jesus even said that uh, God sent Elijah to this one widow. He said there are many widows during this time. This is, these are the words of Christ. So Elijah shows up. This is 1 Kings 17. Go home and read it. It'll build your faith. And he says, um, he says, give me some water and bake me a cake first. Someone say first. First. That represents the tithe, okay? The first fruits, the best portion. Bake me a cake first. She said, oh, no, oh, no, master. Um, I I promise you by the Lord your God, because I don't believe in your God. But he's trying to get her to exercise her faith. She has a measure of faith. He's trying to get her to stretch it and to exercise it. She said, oh, no, I was going to fix me and my boys a final meal. We were going to eat and die. He said, no, don't do that. Because Elijah represents the presence of God in this story, in the favor of God. He said, don't do that. He said, bake me a cake first. Put your resources into the Lord first. Stretch your faith first. And then he said this, and then oil, your oil and your flour will never run dry. And the Bible says in 1 Kings 17 that, that, that she, she, she did it. She stretched her faith. She exercised her faith. She gave the prophet his first. And the Bible said from that day on, she was able to feed her family. So, so the reason I'm excited for the offering is because we have an opportunity to thank God for all he's done in our lives this year. But by bringing our greatest and our biggest offering we've ever brought, we can say, God, this is, this is a sign that I believe you and I trust you for what you're going to do next year. And, and this is a season where we get to sit down at the table. The table's going to be a little bigger this year because my in-laws have moved in with us. But we always ask our boys, so Judah, where are you going to bring the Lord? Jay, what are you going to bring the Lord? I remember last year, Judah, Judah brought a certain amount. And then a week later, he received uh, 10 times that amount for Christmas, right? Because we already knew as his, as his father, I already knew what I had planned for him. But as his earthly father, I want to make sure that his priorities and his faith is in the right place when it comes to giving to his heavenly father. Right. He didn't know he was going to get 10 times that amount back. He just gave it by faith. He gave more than half of what he had to the Lord last year. And 10 days later, the Lord came in through his parents. All I'm saying is, is this. Whenever you're thinking over the next few weeks about what to bring as we push the vision of our church forward so that more people can hear about Christ, so that more lives are changed, so that we can open up more room and more space for more people. Whenever you're considering your offering for next year, remember this final point. Am I exercising my faith? Does this hurt a little bit? Is this a little scary? Is this a little too much? And if it is, you're in the right place and God sees your heart and, and, and he's, he's going to honor it. Can you send to your feet? I want to read this one verse to you. Then we're going to worship a little bit. I don't want you to go anywhere after our worship segment. We have some other announcements, but I want to read this verse. If you could turn your attention to the screens, Hebrews 11 says this, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe, here it is, number one, that God exists. I love this. And that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Someone say rewards. Rewards. And, And that's, I think, Chris, honestly, I think that's where the progression stops. Is many of us believe he exists, but we don't understand that he is a rewarder. And God actually wants to reward our faith. And so whenever we exercise our faith and we grow in our faith in every season, what we're saying is God, it's okay for you to bless me in a new way. But whenever we don't grow in our faith, we're saying God, I'm I'm good with the 2018 stuff. I want let me encourage you to step out on faith. S- step up for the challenge. Obey God under the Lord. Talk about that offering. What are you bringing? so that the Lord can move in a new way so that he can reward you. Can we put our hands together for the word of God?